So as we dive into this new teaching series uh, called Unleashed, Living and Walking in the Gifts of the Spirit, I think I'm setting two records at Jericho Ridge this morning. The first is for the longest subtitle for a sermon series, and so I thank Jared Crosley, who does the design very often for us, for graciously trying to find white space to fit all of that in. And then secondly, I think this is the longest sermon title in Jericho Ridge's 11-year history, Things the Bible Wants to Tell Us About Spiritual Gifts That We Aren't Hearing Well. So it's a bit of a mouthful, uh, but I chose this title because when it comes to the topic of spiritual gifts, at least in the evangelical subculture here in North America, over the last century, they've run into a lot of problems, things that just tend to trip us up in this conversation. And I think these issues actually keep us and prevent us from hearing clearly what it is that the Bible wants to say on the topic of the gifts of the Spirit. And so I have some theories on why and where we get stuck. I want to test some of them with you and see if there's some congruence with your experiences. Uh, So I'm going to put up a little bit of a graph that helps you understand maybe some of the problem areas in the conversation around gifts of the Spirit. So I was going to do a flip chart and draw this out for you, but Pastor Wally helpfully reminded me that we haven't yet come in the series to the gift of interpretation, and so my writing is really bad, those of you who know. And so you may need the gift of interpretation to write. So he suggested maybe I should put it on a slide because then you could at least read it. So we have a couple of classic problems. So we'll put up uh, two axes and then we'll explore them together. The first classic problem about spiritual gifts is overemphasis on spiritual gifts. Overemphasis, like an excessive focus on them all of the time in every conversation, or sometimes an overemphasis on a particular subset of gifts, like the miraculous gifts or the gift of tongues. Uh, Next week, we're going to look at the gift of prophecy. Week after, we're going to look at the gift of tongues. Then we'll look at gifts of healing. Uh, And so sometimes you can fall into a trap of overemphasizing certain parts of the conversation on spiritual gifts. And in these settings where overemphasis is a problem, then you get excesses, you get abuses sometimes, and no one seems to notice or care because it just is a normative experience. So on the other end of the continuum, on the bottom there, is then, of course, an underemphasis on anything of walking in the fullness and power of the Spirit. In settings like this, no one talks about the Holy Spirit. When they baptize people, they baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and that other guy. And they just don't do a robust job of teaching or bringing to the surface teaching on spiritual gifts, teachings on the Holy Spirit, teachings on supernatural. It's very orderly and businesslike. It's very neat and tidy, but sometimes an underemphasis results in a place where there isn't a lot of faith present. So overemphasis, underemphasis, we get that. You can probably think of churches or denominations or movements that, that you could plot along that continuum somewhere. But there's another continuum as well that we'll do on the horizontal axis, and that is on one side we'll put the word flaky. Now, this isn't necessarily the same as overemphasis, but flaky, when I'm using this term, when it comes to spiritual gifts, is like there isn't a ton of depth 
There's not an emphasis on a, a character of the person using the gift. You'll notice that here at Jericho, that's why before we taught on uh, the gifts of the Spirit, we spent the spring together teaching through the fruit of the Spirit. Because people who walk in the gifts of the Spirit without a sense of rootedness and maturity and love and joy and peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, binding all of those things together and underwriting or undergirding them can be, well, flaky when they do things in the Spirit. So you look at these people sometimes and ask, like, you talk a lot about the work of the Spirit, about gifts of the Spirit, but, like, do you, are you growing in depth of knowledge in the person and in the fruit of the Spirit. So overemphasis, underemphasis, flaky. On the other side of the flakiness continuum can be utilitarianism. And at this end of the continuum, it's all about what the gifts do for you or for us that overtake other aspects of the conversation. So churches that are utilitarian when it comes to their approach to spiritual gifts think to themselves, Let's see, we need more volunteers for ministries. What should we do about that? Let's do a series on the gifts of the Spirit, and then we'll raise the guilt levels so high that people will just be flocking to volunteer for things. They'll just fill any slot that we need them to fill. So that's not what this is about for us at Jericho Ridge, but you may have been in places where you may have experienced conversations about the gifts of the Spirit that way. What is, what is your gift? Therefore, we need to then take your gift and make it work in some setting that we have a need for. And you feel like, are you really honoring any part of this as a conversation, or are you just trying to plug me in to your stuff? So these four problems continue to form uh, kind of four quadrants that you may have experienced. So they combine, right? So if, for example, you're utilitarian and you like to overemphasize the gifts, you might fall into a trap of a works-based emphasis on spiritual life. That by doing things for God, that by using your gifts, you could make God happy or prove to God that he somehow gave you the right gifts. When you get overemphasis and flaky, that's just a whole weird quadrant in and of itself. Uh, when you get, it can be fun and wild, but the depth and substance isn't there. When you get underemphasis and flaky, then you just get sort of silence or hiddenness. You might have then walked into that environment as a person who had a deep experience of the Spirit moving in a supernatural and powerful way in your life, but you just think, I probably shouldn't talk about that here because they'll think I'm flaky. Or you might get looked at funny. Then the last danger quadrant is the underemphasis utilitarian. And here churches or individuals believe that the gifts had a purpose. And that was for a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And so they emphasize gifts historically, but not for today. So people who hold that view would be called cessationalists, that the gifts have stopped uh, or particular gifts have stopped. So you might be able to see, if we talk about it in this way, some of your own personal history or experiences in various places being represented somewhere on that continuum. But the goal of this conversation is not to point out the problems or where other people are just totally off base when it comes to spiritual gifts. The goal here at Jericho through this series is I want to give you a sense of what do we believe about the gifts of the Spirit here? And how do we go about practicing them? And how do we go about having robust and healthy conversations in areas that we may even disagree about? 
as it relates to the gifts of the Spirit. Because together, we're called to walk in the fullness of power and fullness of the Spirit in our lives. And that's our prayer when we get together as a staff every week and we pray for you guys. That's one of the things that we're praying for, that you would become unleashed in your workplace, in your home, in your school, to be and to do all of the things that God wants you to be and to do all the things that he's calling you to do. And so if you're willing, we're going to embark on an 11-week journey of dialogue about this, where we're going to explore specific gifts. We're going to talk about things like what are the challenges that come when we start to step out and use some of our gifts? What, are the, what in the world are some of the gifts for, like the gift of apostleship? How in the world could that be useful? We're going to look at challenges of gift envy, gift projection, and then we're going to spend time actually calling out the gifts that we see in other people and putting them into practice. So that may be new or a little bit scary for some of you, but we'll make sure that we create uh, safe environments that apparently are Petri dishes, says Pastor Wally, uh, about for you to explore some of the gifts of the Spirit in. So when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, there's four main passages in the New Testament that have historically been referenced when we think about that. Uh, Shout them out. What are those four passages? What's one? There's two twelves and two fours. I'll give you that hint. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is a big one because it starts and then goes on for a couple of chapters. Yeah, what's another one? Romans chapter 12. Okay, so we got the two twelves. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and then we have Ephesians chapter 4. And we have 1 Peter chapter 4. Are they explicit places in the New Testament where the uh, spiritual gifts have historically been, those are go-to passages. So turn with me to the last one of those, 1 Peter chapter 4. It's the shortest of those clusters. So we're going to poke around a bit and see what we find and what assumptions that we bring to the table in this conversation about the gifts of the Spirit. So 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11 says this. God has given each of you, a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. So use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all of the strength and the energy that God supplies. Then everything that you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ, all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. So right away, we need to ask a question, and that question is, what is a spiritual gift? God has given each of us a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. What would the definition of a spiritual gift? If God's given each one of us something from his great variety, what in the world does that mean? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, as he launches into this really lengthy discussion of spiritual gifts, the Apostle Paul simply starts by saying this, now about spirituals or spiritual things. Now about spiritual stuff, he basically says. The church gathered in the city of Corinth had written Paul and they'd ask him a bunch of questions about things. And so his response begins in kind of a funny way. 
regarding your question about the spirituals that the Spirit gives. So in most of our English Bibles, that doesn't really play well for our categories and doesn't translate well for us. We need a few more concrete headings or categories. So translators have, have helped us by creating a, two words out of one word and saying that about, oh, he's talking about spiritual gifts or gifts that the Spirit gives, which can be helpful because, you know, it gives us now a phrase that we under, might be able to understand a little bit more. So instead of the one that Paul was using in the language that he was writing in Greek, now about spirituals or spiritual things or spiritual realities, translators have put it in English about spiritual gifts. And this comes with its own inherent set of dangers, actually, for us as good Bible translators like the Workmans, who are going to go to Tanzania, and like Steve, who trains Bible translators, can tell you. It, one of the dangers that uh, can happen is, see, as North Americans, once we have a heading for a category, we're good students, and we've been taught in a good educational system. So once we have a heading, we think to ourselves, aha, what's coming next is a list. So we need to be ready to write down the things in this list. We've got to fill in the category. So we comb through the New Testament and we make our list. Okay, where does it talk about and use that same term, spiritual, spiritual gifts? So we go Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, and we run into a challenge. The first thing that we recognize is, oh, the lists don't actually match up. In 1 Peter chapter 4, he only gives us two Speaking and helping. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul gives us like a big long list and then goes on to add a whole bunch of stuff. And then this chapter on love is sandwiched in there. Is love a gift? Is faith a gift? Is it, oh, it gets confusing for us if we're just looking for lists because there's no one kind of comprehensive listing. And so Peter says, from the great variety of spiritual gifts that God gives us, and then he just only lists two. What's going on? Well, I think this is one area where we're not hearing very clearly what it is the Bible is trying to say to us. And part of our challenge is, in this instance, I would say we're trying to make the Bible's categories fit into our categories. We're trying to jam something that the Scriptures is teaching us that's very multivalent and complex and nuanced and layered, and we're trying to just make it into a bullet point list so that we can do something with it. So we push to make our lists and check them twice, and we miss the fact that the Bible doesn't actually use this term exclusively or comprehensively to describe a list. Now about spiritual things, things that the Spirit, gifts that the Spirit has given, which is a really big category if you think about it. What are all the things that the Spirit has given to us? It's way more than simply a discussion about a list of special abilities. The Spirit's given us grace, expressions of God's power. The Spirit's given salvation, conviction of sin, reminders of God's love. On and on and on and on through the New Testament is just thing after thing that the Spirit has given to us. But we recognize that then this isn't quite helpful. Because if we're looking for a list... And we want to turn it into a test and help people find their spiritual gifts. 
you know, we're kind of running at cross purposes here. Is it a list? What are we doing? How do we find out then what is a gift of the Spirit? Now, some of you take notes and you're still looking for your definition of spiritual gift. So let me work to give you one. In my thinking on this area, I've been heavily influenced by uh, Dr. Ken Redant, who teaches at Act Seminaries, where Kevin O'Coin works. So this is Ken's definition. I think it's a, it's a fairly robust one. A gift of the Spirit is anything that serves as a resource for ministry or an occasion for God's grace to be shown. Anything that falls into those categories, a resource for doing something God wants you to do, or an occasion that God's grace might be present in your lives, that can be considered a gift of the Spirit. See, that's a little bit more congruent with what Peter was saying in 1 Peter 4, 11, where he says, everything that you do should bring glory to God. You think, well, why is he talking about everything I'm doing if he just gave a list of two specific things? Because anything that serves as a resource for ministry or an occasion for God's grace to be shown can be considered a gift that God has graciously poured out of the Spirit. So this means that the gifts of the Spirit, the spirituals that Paul and Peter are talking about, include a much wider variety of things. Things like abilities, things like roles that you might occupy Things like offices, eldering, circumstances in your life that might be a gift, like we talked about last week. Relationships, experiences, both positive experiences or hurtful experiences that have come into your life. Areas of passion, your temperament. God gave that to you. Training that you've been exposed to. All of these things and more. If God brought it into your life and it can be used in some way, then it is a spiritual. It's a gift of the Spirit. You can put so many things in this category. All of the things that God has given to you to this point in your journey really are spirituals. Your family your home, your IQ, your experiences, formative and otherwise, your vocational work, all of these things can be considered a resource for ministry or an occasion for God's grace to be shown. And so again, we have somewhat, because we're fixated with lists and we like to help, you know, we try to be helpful, we've taken an incredibly rich, diverse theme that runs throughout the Bible and we've reduced it to a narrow definition based on shallow exegesis rooted in our own experience. And we've turned what's supposed to be actually a conversation into a series of checkboxes. Because Paul, remember, is answering a question that they asked him. Now remember about the question he asked me. Let's have a conversation here. And we've turned in the North American church what is to be a conversation into a test and a series of checkboxes. And we've done it with the best of intentions. We wanted to make it simple and clear and easy to access so we can get good results. And in order to do that, we developed inventories and lists and boxes. And not all of this is wrong. I'm just suggesting it's not wrong, it's just rigid. 
we've tried to force the Bible to answer questions that Peter and Paul never intended to address. And we've turned this rich conversation into a series of checkboxes. And when we do this, I think we, we miss some important things that the Bible is trying to say to us about the gifts of the Spirit. So let's go on from here for a few minutes and think about the implications of this conversation for us corporately at Jericho and then the implications for each of us as individuals if we think broadly about this concept. So what are the general implications about this way of talking about spiritual gifts. If we can acknowledge that we're talking about a much broader category, then much of the debate that we've been having in North America about spiritual gifts, particularly since the reemergence of emphasis in gifts in, in the 70s, till now is, and I hate to say it because a lot of, spun, of time, money, and energy was spent on this, but I actually wonder if much of the debate about gifts is actually kind of pointless. Because... Think about the questions that we've become obsessed with in North America. How many gifts are there? Oh, this inventory has these gifts on it, you know, 20 whatever, and this inventory, well, they don't believe in those gifts, so then they've developed their own custom inventory. How many gifts are there? The Bible doesn't intend to answer that question. The Bible actually doesn't set any limits on it. The only thing that's clear when it comes to the debate about that is no one person gets all of them because then they would not need the rest of the body. But that would actually be impossible because the Spirit is so creative. Again, 1 Peter 4.10 says, from His great variety of gifts, God has given us these gifts. God is so creative. And so the gifts that are given to us in 1 Peter, in Ephesians, in 1 Corinthians, in Romans, those are exemplary gifts or example gifts, not exhaustive lists that we're supposed to create. The whole point isn't to try and number how many gifts there are, but rather to learn to view all of the aspects of life which could be used for ministry as gifts. So the debate about how many gifts there are, I don't know. It's kind of dumb. The, de- the debate about, well, is this a talent that's a natural talent or is this a spiritual gift? Who cares? If you focus the conversation and it shifts away from drawing strict lines to simply asking the question, can that be used as a resource for ministry or an occasion for God's grace to be shown? If the answer is yes, it should be considered a gift. And some of these things might be dominant in your life at one point or over the whole lifetime. But drawing the line and saying things like, now, friend, um, I think you have the, the... a natural talent in teaching when you use it so well in your classroom Mondays to Fridays. But when you use it on to teach kids at the Ridge, that becomes then a spiritual gift. That doesn't seem like it would be consistent. If God made you to teach and he made you to do it well and he gave you the ability to do it well, let's just put that under the heading of that's a gift of the Spirit. And let's not make these divisions, silly ones, between is it a talent, is it an ability. When do I get my gifts? Well, it would seem then if we take this posture that some gifts would seem to come at the point where you come into God's family and are filled with the Spirit. Some might be in your life already as an evidence of God's general grace poured out 
And some might come into your life later on as or even as they are needed, where God says, you know, in this particular situation, I want to give you the gift of healing so when you pray for this person, they will be healed. So an obsession on, well, when did I get my gifts or when do I get my gifts? There's no fixed rules here because we're all unique and God's grace is going to manifest distinctly in each one of us. So we can spend a lot of time in conversation about these particular things. And we're going to do that. It's part of why we wanted to create a life group environment so that we could have some good, robust conversation around these things. But let's keep moving for this morning because I want to make two additional general observations about the implications about grace gifts and how we handle this conversation at Jericho. So the first observation at Jericho under general implications is this. Jericho is then going to take a individual, not an institutional approach to discovery and deployment when it comes to what it is that God's poured out into your life. We are not a factory. We do not mass produce disciples. We don't stamp out that mold and produce spiritual projects or widgets here. You're a unique individual. And so we need to approach the conversation as a conversation and not distribute gift surveys that have checkboxes for you to fill out and then figure out how we can jam you into spaces where we have needs. See, when you take an individual, not institutional approach, though, to the discovery and deployment of gifts, there's a few implications. One is that it just takes longer because it's a conversation. And we're not always great at being patient with each other, but we would prefer that approach. The second thing is that at Jericho, we're going to take a developmental and experimental approach to unleashing the gifts that God has given you. Because when you come to the table in a conversation, um, we believe that God's gifted you in some way. You may not know it yet. You may not have figured it all out. We may not know it yet, and we may not have figured it all out. And so we need to continue to push in and figure out how are we going to develop that in you? Or a kid like this says, you know, if you, we come to the assumption that you're gifted already. So maybe it's a kid like this who says, oh, I can, stick putting, I can suck putting up my nose and blow it out the corner of my eye, but they still won't put me in the gifted class at school. <laughs> we believe you're gifted. It may be in that way, and I may or may not be able to use that for ministry, although Mike might like to use that in student ministries in some way. But we want you to also come to the table believing that God has given you something. That God's given you gifts in some way. And here at Jericho, one of the great things I love about us as a community is that we're pretty good about letting you experiment with stuff. And sometimes you'll fail at it. And when you fail, we'll help you get back up, dust yourself off, and keep trying and try something else and figure it out. We want you to experiment and unleash your gifts. Through the lens of 1 Peter 4, is this bringing glory to God? So those are the general implications about it. Now, let's talk about a couple of personal implications for you when it comes to this kind of lens of gifts. First thing that you have a personal implication for is that you have a responsibility of self-discovery. You have a responsibility for discovery because whatever it is that you're going to do in, as a ministry that God has called you to, formally, informally, vocationally, non-vocationally, it doesn't matter. It's going to flow out of how God 
created you, how God made you. So sometimes when it comes to the conversation on spiritual gifts, the locus of initiative can be on the church. And we say things like, well, no one's helping me discover my gifts, so I can't serve God. Well, who knows you better than you? Your own unique set of experiences, personality, interests, abilities, passions. So when an opportunity comes across your path to serve, serve your neighbors, serve wherever God has placed you, you need to know yourself well enough to think, hmm, does that fit with how God wired me and how God made me? And that's not to say that every opportunity will fit you perfectly. Because we can use that as an excuse to, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I could just never help Sachi stack the chairs. It's just not my gift. Just help him, you know. Now, sometimes, though, um, that's not to say every opportunity is going to fit you perfectly. Sometimes you just say, you know what, I see a need. It's not my core area of gifting. I'm actually just going to put my hand to that and help with that. Over the long term, that's probably not a great recipe for success because it's probably not going to lead to a deep level of fulfillment. But you might discover a little bit more about yourself and about how God's wired you and who he's made you to be. And then you can make better decisions about stewarding the spirituals that God has brought into your life well. Because you have a responsibility for discovery, but you also have a responsibility for stewardship of your gifts. When you stand before the Lord on a day of reckoning, it's not acceptable for you to say, you know what, Jesus, I had all of these spiritual gifts and and Pastor Brad and Wally did nothing to help me discover them, like nothing. So I would have used them. I totally would have. But the church just prevented me from helping in key areas. So you have a responsibility for stewarding your gifts because who God made you to be determines what he intends for you to do. God's prepared, Ephesians 2.10 says, good works for you to do. He prepared them in advance because he knew how he wired you. Not so you can prove to God how great you are or earn your way into heaven, but so that you can have the privilege in your lifetime of partnering with God and seeing the Spirit unleashed in your life in amazing and powerful ways in accomplishing what God's purposes here for you on the earth are. See, that's what 1 Peter 4.10 says. If God's given you a gift, you should use it to serve others. So there's a reasonable expectation that God has on your life that how he made you will determine what you're to do. And that's why one reason why God places us in community because I don't have all the gifts necessary for what's needed to accomplish God's heart for us as a community here in Willoughby and beyond. And so that's why 1 Corinthians 12 uses the image of a body and all of us being a part of it together. And we're going to come back to this image of the body in coming weeks because if we're a body, there are community implications for us as well. So there's general implications, there's personal implications, and there's community implications for you and for us. So what responsibilities then is it reasonable that Jericho would have as it relates to the development of gifts in this discussion. Well, the community implication is that we have a shared responsibility to help develop the gifts that the Spirit gives to you, to call them out in you. Because sometimes we have a hard time seeing them in ourselves. 
to help give you context which you can practice and experiment. 1 Peter 4.10 says you're going to use those gifts to serve other people. And so we have context that we create so you can use your gifts to serve other people. And we'll point you to the right people in that. And so if you say things like, I just feel like God's given me a, a joy, an ability to pray for and with other people. Well, then you should come to pre-gathering prayer at 9.45 every Sunday because we love to do it. And 11 people were there this morning praying and celebrating with Allie and praying for all of you. Or maybe you need to talk to Katie and she'll say, you know, if you'd like to do that, we'd love to train you and equip you to pray with and for people at the end of our gatherings and prayer response. If you play an instrument, you say, that's just a gift that God's uh, given to me and you want to use it, then you need to talk to Chris. We want to give you a context to grow and develop those gifts that God has given to you. You may not know all of the gifts that God's brought into your life, and that's okay too. And so Sunday morning might not be the time for you to experiment. And that's why in conjunction with the teaching series, we're running this lab concept where starting on Thursday the 22nd at our house, we're going to create... Now, we're, gonna, we're not going to be able to shed this Petri dish metaphor that Pastor Wally has started using already. We're going to create a learning lab for you where you can come and just try stuff out. Practice it. And try it. And it'll be a discussion. It'll be a discovery. And some of it will just be, frankly, disasters. And we'll look around the, around the room and go, yeah, probably God's not giving you that gift. So let others do the heavy lifting in that area. You know, unless God chooses to really speak into your life, you know, Maybe just let others really uh, seek other gifts. Uh, we're going to try stuff, and it'll be fun. So if you want to come, we'd invite you to speak with us, and we'll have some fun with it. Just as important to discover, actually, on that note, what your gifts are not as what your gifts are. Because, friends, here's where we're going to finish our conversation together this morning. This is, I, I don't know all of you. I know a lot of you. But I know this, that, if we take this lens, all of you are gifted. That you're part of this body in this season for a particular reason and purpose. And God has given us, as a community, the purpose and the core purpose or mission of cultivating disciples of Jesus who embody God's love everywhere they go. And so you're a part of that. You're gifted and your gifts are here in this body because we have one purpose as a community and that is to bring glory to God. And so I finish with this challenge because Peter lays out ultimately the implications of those being gifted and the fact that you're gifted is if you choose to remain leashed instead of choosing to step out and become unleashed, that's a problem for the community because God's given you something to share in meaningful ways. And spiritual gifts aren't about you. That's the other pitfall that we've fallen into in this conversation is what are my gifts Spiritual gifts aren't so much about you or even about Jericho, but about God and what God is doing for his glory. Because this is what Peter is driving at in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. He says in his conversation, everything you do, when you understand that you've been gifted and God's called you into your classroom, he's called you into your home, he's called you into your friendship circle, he's called you into this church for this reason and this season, then everything you do has the potential to bring honor and glory to God through Christ Jesus. Because all glory and power will be due to him forever and ever. I want to ask Chris and the team to come up and they're going to lead us in songs of response 
to this. Because friends, together, as a community, we're called to walk and live in the power and fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives and bring glory in an ever-increasing way to God. That's my deep prayer for my life and for yours. That you would become unleashed to do the things that God has called for you to do. And so learning to and inviting God's presence in an increasing way into your life so that you can increasingly go about doing those things is a part of that journey. And so Chris and the team are going to lead us in songs that set the table for that conversation that we're having, that invite and give voice to an invitation for the Holy Spirit to continue to fill us and use us. We're going to um, put up on the screen a personal prayer of invitation. I want you to just take a few moments as Chris and the team begin to play to actually spend time individually just praying this prayer out to God. It's a prayer of personal invitation. A prayer asking God, the Holy Spirit, to do something in your life that you want to be and move into a place where you are unleashed in a deeper way. And then Caitlin is going to lead us in a corporate expression of this. So take a few time, take a few minutes just to ask God and pray this prayer individually. And then when Caitlin invites it, the words will go up on the screen and we'll do all of this together. And Caitlin will invite you to stand at that point, those who are available for prayer. Katie, Pastor Wally and Sylvia, myself will be available at the sides and at the back and we would love to pray with you at this time.